pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and everything that it represents. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for using me today. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for using me to plant your seed and to plowed ground the hearts of your children, Lord. Let it take root and bear fruit in their lives. Let them be helped, healed everywhere they hurt, empowered by your promises. Let them feel your love and let them be prospered in every way, spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Last couple of days, I, I uh, unusually had a little time off from work or I just took it or whatever. And uh, it's just, just, just walking with Jesus, I was really just considering all of the, all of this, the gravity of this. You know, I try to do that often as I can, but somehow this Easter has really just made an impact on me. I was, on Friday, I, I got up, you know, and, uh, routinely, you know, I pray before I even get out of bed, you know, so I did all that, you know, I did the right stuff, but then I'm down there and I don't know, I'm looking, I don't know, I'm thinking of complaining about something, grumpy like most people, I hadn't had my coffee yet, and now I make myself drink these powdered greens before I have coffee, and that already makes me grumpy, so I'm wanting to complain a little bit. And then I'm just going about my morning, and I, and I look, and when I look up at the clock, and I, you know, from from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., our Lord was hanging on that cross. And every time something came up, whether work was trying to get in touch with me, and I was trying to, whatever it was, because you know, a lot of negative thoughts cross our minds every day. No matter what. And now it's up to us. And we have the abilities to suppress that and get rid of that and replace that with something good. And so I was making sure. And for some reason, every time something like that popped into my mind, I just saw him hanging there for me. And I just, I repented. And then yesterday, I I spent the, Lord, the day with the Lord. And, and, uh, and it's what they call Silent Saturday, you know. Where he's in the tomb. And I'm thinking of all those disciples and all the, all the things that uh, were crossing their mind. And all those that had believed on him to be the Savior and to come and be the conquering king. And political and military and national Savior, you know. And, and all the things he had said and done about who he was and what he was going to do and all that. And, and how they just felt like all oh, their hopes were dashed, you know. And I'm just here to tell you today that if, you, if you're in that waiting period between the promise and the provision, wondering... If it's going to happen, when it looks darkest, it seems impossible. It seems like God is not involved and nothing good can come from your situation, from your relationship, from your finances. 
I just want to encourage you today because help is on the way. Resurrection Sunday, Easter, is the greatest day ever for mankind. I always say this, without, without Easter, Christmas wouldn't matter. Huh? In Isaiah 53, 700 years before Jesus came to earth as a man, The prophet Isaiah prophesied perfectly about his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. I'll just read a few verses from Isaiah 53, starting with the fourth verse. Surely he, talking about Jesus, remember, 700 years before he ever came to earth, has borne our griefs. That's our calamity, our sickness, our disease, our anxiety. And carried our sorrows, our pains, our that's physical and emotional, folks. Stress, depression. Yet, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds or by his stripes, we are healed. He goes on to describe the condition of all mankind. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Huh? Everyone. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, on Jesus, the iniquity or the sin of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And we know that's what happened. He didn't try to defend himself. He was there to to do this job. It was his purpose. And he had great resolve to carry it out. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? He was crucified, cut off from the land of the living. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. What would that have meant? But now we know. Two thieves, one was crucified on each side of him. He was taken down to be buried with those two thieves. But then Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, intervened and took him and put him in his his tomb. So the amazing detail of this prophet 700 years before this happened, describing it so well as the Holy Spirit gave him utterance. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Why? Why did God want to crush His own Son? It was necessary for you, for me. He he put Him to grief. When His soul makes an offering for guilt, 
He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. There's the resurrection. After his soul, Jesus died our death on the cross. His soul was poured out through his blood. The very soul of God was the payment for our redemption. He became what we talked about last week, our kinsman redeemer. He had to become like us so that he could undo the mess that we did to be qualified. And as our kinsman redeemer, he died our death on the cross. His soul was poured out through his blood. Leviticus 17.11 says that the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Then he was brought back from death. And when he did so, he imparted to us his righteousness. All of those who would believe on him. Amen. Amen. This is the atonement, folks. You hear that word tossed around religious settings. I don't know if a lot of people really know what atonement means. You believers have been atoned for. It means we were separated from God. Ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, the corrupted seed of man has been passed along from generation to generation. You think your sins is what kept you from God. No. That corrupted seed is what caused you to sin against God. You were already born as a child of Satan. When you believed on Jesus, that corrupted sin nature was cast out and Jesus moved in. Huh? Hallelujah. So now, atonement has been made. Although you were separated from God, now the at-one-ment has been made possible. You've been made one with God again. Brought back into relationship with God through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Read a couple of verses from Luke chapter 24. The first eight verses. But on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. (coughs) These were angels. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. That's the beginning of one of the accounts in the Gospels. One year, many years ago, I tried to put them all together and all the events of that day and how it showed, just to show how chaotic and beautiful and amazing it was that day with all the believers and his followers. And it it was really a mess. So I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) 
<laughs> it confused even me. But there was a lot going on that day. Amen. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ marks the greatest event in all human history. Why? Because it's either a fact or it's of no consequence. If it's just a theory or some romance or philosophy, it has no power whatsoever to help humanity. Thank God it's a fact of history. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, 3, and 4. The Apostle Paul, I love this, because this man wrote over half of the New Testament, and he could get very deep. He got into real detail about our salvation and what it he spelled it all out from the Old Testament, types and shadows. He had great revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think he knew him better than those that actually lived and walked with Jesus while he was here. Yet listen what he does right here in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1, 3, and 4. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Now here it is. Which you received in which you stand. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The Apostle Paul here bases his whole message, his whole life and ministry on these three historical facts. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. Christianity has no other foundation. Without all three of these aspects, there is no Christian message. You scared to talk to people about Jesus? That's all you need to know. He was crucified for our sins. He was buried and on the third day he was raised from the dead. He's the son of the living God and he lives today. That's the truth that will set people free. Because God comes to work in that seed that's been implanted in their hearts and they have a decision to make. It's not for us to make it for them. Amen. Amen. There is a Christian message though, isn't there? In truth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the best attested facts of history. First thing to support that is that there were witnesses, weren't there? Yes. It was attested as truth by many more reliable witnesses. I've sat through hundreds of court cases, folks. And the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead was attested to by many more reliable witnesses than it would be necessary to establish a fact in a court of law. He appeared to... The disciples on more than one occasion. He appeared to Mary Magdalene that, that day. He appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 6 says he appeared to over 500 believers at one time. 
You know, he never appeared to anyone after his resurrection that didn't already believe on him before his death. God's really cool that way. He doesn't find it necessary to prove himself or... Like Billy Graham said that, that day in his, uh, his meeting, he had a guy stand up and come down and said, there's no God. If there's a God, I invite him to strike me down with lightning in the next 30 seconds. And he stood there for 30 seconds and Billy watched him and he said, see, there's no God. He said, you didn't prove there's no God. You just proved you can't exhaust his patience in 30 seconds. <laughs> The book of Acts says that Jesus continued to appear amongst the believers for 40 days and talk about the kingdom of God. And then he was taken up into heaven right before their eyes. Hallelujah. So there were tons of witnesses. And in those witnesses' lives, you have to understand it made a dramatic change in those witnesses' lives. Changes to which there's really no satisfactory alternate response. As a matter of fact, sticking with their testimony cost many of them their lives. So they had nothing to gain from a worldly perspective. People won't generally die for a hoax, folks. <laughs> matter of fact, all the apostles except for John... And Judas, who took his own life, but they were all martyred. Peter was crucified upside down alongside his wife, history tells us. A lot of Christians in those days were being were volunteering to be martyred. They were put for sport by the Romans in the Colosseum and in, uh, in their events. They were to fight wild beasts and to be burned at the stake and impaled and and they were fighting one another and, and running out there to be to volunteer so much so that people were getting converted every time they saw the faith of those people and that's why they put a stop to it because too many people were to, even Roman citizens were turning to Jesus But it didn't only just change the lives of those witnesses. For the past 2,000 years, Jesus has continued to show himself as alive to millions upon millions of people in this world. And I'm one of them. Thank you, Jesus. 2007, toward the end of that year, in 2008, Jesus began to reveal himself to me in very wonderful, beautiful, and dramatic ways. I've seen him. I've seen him in his glory and his majesty. He's awesome. <clears throat> if Jesus is alive today, and he is, it's the most important thing or should be to all human beings. But some still don't believe. Why? Why is it? I'll give you a couple reasons. One's, one's psychological. People just don't want to believe. 
they've educated themselves or they've reasoned themselves out of God and they just they just don't want to believe that God supernaturally intervenes in the things of human affairs things that they think are already all mapped out and are just going to be sort of a fixed course of events but as intelligent and scientific as many of them proclaim to be there's really no logical or scientific reason for their unbelief if they want to go at it from that point of view Science can't offer any logical reason why the resurrection didn't take place. Many great historians and professors of theology have come to the fact that, you know, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest attested facts in history. Actually, it's not scientific to say that it didn't happen. It's unscientific to reject the valid evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what? There's another reason. It's spiritual. The Bible talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul said, And even if our gospel, which is what? Jesus, the Son of God, came, died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. On the third day, He was raised from the dead and He lives. Amen? (laughs) Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God, little g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. God of this age, that's Satan, the liar, the thief, the life taker. Whereas Jesus, the God of the universe, is the life giver. But I got news for you today. On the cross, Jesus met and conquered Satan. Colossians chapter 1, no... Chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. Says, and, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that would be all of us, we were at one time dead in our sins. And when he's talking about the circumcision, he's, not, he's talking about a spiritual circumcision of the heart now, okay? We've changed from the old covenant, which was all type and shadow, of spiritual realities, okay? So now you've got to look at everything through the new covenant lenses of grace and truth in this church age. Amen. Amen. So you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Hallelujah. Jesus defeated Satan. 
He made a public spectacle of him before God and his angels. He defeated him forever. Satan has no answer. Ever since that time, he has no answer for the work of the cross. It spells his defeat. It ends his power to dominate humanity and afflict upon them his cruel will and the endless agony for which he's responsible. Emotional, physical, and spiritual. Now Satan has one objective. To keep you from understanding the truth of what happened when Jesus died and rose from the dead. As the God of this age, little g, he has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They can't see the clear, plain truth, the message of salvation and deliverance which is given to us through Jesus Christ. So don't get mad at them. They're not your enemy. They need to hear the truth. They need people that aren't afraid to say the truth in love. So that they can decide for themselves. God told me a long time ago. When I was didn't want to be a preacher. And he tricked me into it. He knows what I mean, and it's, uh, it's, it's all a due respect. But he said, son, don't you ever, don't you ever water down my message. Don't you ever decide for them what they can handle. If it's my truth, it's good. They have to have the opportunity to accept it or reject it on their own. Because when they stand before, when you stand before Him, it's going to be based on the known truth that you have accepted or rejected. Amen. Or oh me. So either people don't want to believe, they've exercised their free will above the knowledge of God, and they don't want to acknowledge that God can intervene in the universe that He created, or... Satan has blinded them to the truth of what God has provided through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, the first four verses. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So Jesus came through the lineage on, as far as natural terms go, the lineage of David, And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. What is that saying? I'll tell you what it's saying. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God the Father made a public demonstration to everyone that Jesus was and is the Son of God and our Lord and Savior. Psalm 
chapter 2, Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2, says another prophetic moment. And the scripture says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. What's this saying? Well, Jesus was brought before two human courts on the night of his betrayal. In the night, shuffled around through a series of mock trials, passed back and forth between the Jews and the Gentiles. Huh? He was put before the religious court of the Jewish council and he was put before the secular court of the Roman authority under Pontius Pilate. Both courts rejected Jesus and his claim to be the Son of God and they condemned him to death, didn't they? And both courts united together to be sure that no one would break open the grave of Jesus. It's a good thing they did. I believe God planned it that way. Just to give us more evidence. That's why it's one of the best attested facts in history. The Jewish council provided their special seal. And the Roman governor had provided an armed detachment of soldiers to stand guard over the grave, didn't he? But... On the third day, God intervened. The seal was broken. The armed guard was made paralyzed. And Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead and came forth from the tomb. So God, the almighty judge of the universe, reversed the decisions of both courts. Hallelujah. <laughs> Set aside the judgments. And publicly vindicated Jesus Christ, declaring him to be the sinless Son of God. So God's justice was vindicated by the resurrection of Jesus. Human authority had set aside Jesus as a criminal, but God raised him and endorsed him and endorsed his claim to be the Son of God. So everything that Jesus ever said and did is true. The world had plotted in vain against him, but he was right and they were wrong. He was good and they were evil. He was God and they're not. Amen. <laughs> I want to read just a, a few scriptures from Matthew chapter 28. Verses 1 through 9. It's so hard not to just go through all the events of that day. I really especially love talking about the, the women uh, in Jesus' life that supported his ministry. They were the bravest of all. <laughs> they were the ones that were always there. <laughs> Even when all the dudes took off. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 9. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the day, the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene 
Mary Magdalene is the one that Jesus had set free and delivered her from seven demons. And she was very thankful. She loved him and she followed him in his ministry the whole three and a half years or so. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. If this was their response, folks, what should ours be? (laughs) Uh, I say the same. (laughs) Just followed his feet, worship him. He's worthy of that. He paid the highest price. He temporarily bankrupted heaven to set us free. He's risen. How many of you believe on Jesus? How many of you made, have made Jesus your Lord and Savior? Romans chapter 4 says that God justifies the ungodly who believe upon Jesus and and count their faith to them as righteousness, just like they did with Abraham. Now, we can be made righteous. We can be justified. Those of us who believe on Jesus, that's exactly what's happened. You know what justification in the eyes of the Lord is? Good way to remember it. If you're justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. So hard to grab hold of that, huh? That's why you need to understand spirit, soul, and body. <laughs> Don't have time today. <laughs> it also says that our faith will be counted to us who believe in Him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. There you go again. He was the reason for his resurrection is so that we can be justified, atoned for, redeemed, purchased, blood-bought children of God. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess... With your mouth that Jesus is Lord is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
And look at the wonderful benefit. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, meaning because He lives, because He was resurrected from the dead and lives today, consequently, He's able to save to the uttermost. I love that. Completely, totally, without exception, without exemption. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Huh? Consequently, He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He is always lives to make intercession for them. You know, now, He's not only alive, He's sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for you. God is a just God. He's holy. And He's not a fan of sin. He hasn't changed His mind about sin. So when you sin, Jesus goes, that one's mine. All He sees is you, is Jesus. He looks at you he either sees Adam or he sees Jesus. Pure gold or nothing good. Apart from Him, we are nothing good. But we never be apart from Him once we've received Him as our Lord and Savior. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I'm coming back for you. First Corinthians 15 verses 14 and 17 says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So now do you see what I mean when I say it's the most important event in human history? Bless y'all with the. Let you spend some time with your families today. But I just. I just want to compel you. I want to challenge you to not just. Say you went to church on Easter. Check. (laughs) Don't leave him here when you go. I want you to think about this. The gravity of this event. The gravity of this life that was given for us. Because it wasn't just a regular man. It was the Son of God. He loves you. He's here today. There were two or three gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. Do you believe that? Yes. You know there are angels all around about us. And Jesus is just looking in the heart of every one of us at all times. He loves us. His thoughts about us are good. He's not condemning. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a positive one. 
an encouraging one and a loving one. A help. An advocate. A paraclete. One who comes alongside and takes a hold together with you of all the things in this life. So, whether it's salvation that you need, if you just need to be saved, today's a good day to do it. Everyone that Jesus ever called, He called publicly. He said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my Father and the angels in heaven. So if you never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, just come up here right now and we'll just take care of it. If you believe. But you have to believe. And you know, believing in the resurrection is part of salvation. That's why it's such an important thing. If you're believing for healing today, God's still in the healing business. He wants to heal you everywhere you hurt. Somebody here just needs to forgive somebody. can hinder your prayers, you know. God loves you, but if you gave the devil an open door into your life, it can hinder everything that he wants to get to you. He's trying, but there's a, there's a blockade. There's a blockade, and it's you that's imprisoned yourself. You're the one that put the bars around you so Jesus can't get to you. He can't get to you with the provision, the protection, the healing, the prosperity, the peace. So just let it go, man. Let it go. Give it to God. Doesn't mean you think it's okay what the person did. God hates sin as much as you do. More. Just let Him deal with it. He's better. Let Him deal with it His way, His time. You be free. You be free to serve the living God. Some of you have things you believe in for. And it's like that silent Saturday. You've, you've, you heard there was a promise from God about it. It might be financial. It might be physical. It might be relational. It might just be between your ears. Just, I just don't have any peace. I can't stop the, the noise. I just want to be free. I want to be at peace. I want to chill, man. I just, I just want to be able to hang with you, Lord. And I want to be able to worship you. But i got all these things competing for my time and attention in my head. I can't get it out. I need your help. That's an honest prayer right there. Some of you have relationships that just have been left unattended too long. You say, well, we just don't get along. It's better this way. No, it's not. It's not. You know, if you're not, if you have a relationship that is broken, if you can't trust that person, doesn't mean that one time they weren't trustworthy. If, if you still know that you can't trust them in your heart, you don't feel like you can trust them. It's okay. It's okay to have some barriers there to protect you and your own family. But you always need to be praying about restoration in that relationship. Because the best thing can ever happen is that God get a hold of them. Huh? 
So is your heart right? If you if you're not in relationship with that person anymore, is it are your motives right? That's all God wants to see. He looks God looks on the outer appearance. So everybody in your life might tell you, "Yeah, you're justified." God's saying, "No, I don't see it that way. I, don't, I see your heart." God loves you. He just wants you to know that. He wants you to know that any bad thing that's ever happened to you, every anything that's ever involved death, destruction, theft. Whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, anyone that's damaged you. If you've ever blamed God for that and you're mad at God, He didn't do it. By being mad at God, you're actually running into the arms of the real thief. The real killer. The real destroyer who wants to destroy you. And he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He, he paints himself as an angel of light, but the devil is not your friend. He'll take you further than you want to go, charge you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Jesus is good. He says, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Cast your cares upon me. I care for you. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Anyone? Anyone? Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for everything that Resurrection Sunday represents. We thank you, Lord, that Christmas does mean something. (laughs) And we're glad that you came, Lord. And we're glad that you stayed the course. That your resolve was so strong to finish the course. To finish out the purpose that God sent you here, that you agreed to come to redeem us, to justify us, to atone for our sins, Lord. Thank you, God, that we are sanctified, set apart, and made holy in the eyes of God. Thank you, Lord, for using us. Thank you for taking whatever's left of the lives you have given us and using it for your purpose. For your good. To be kingdom builders. To be kingdom minded. To walk in love and power and victory. And prosperity and health and wholeness all the days of our lives. You can do more with one day than we could in five decades Lord. And we thank you that you will just take whatever we have and put it to use for your good. If that's your prayer, please say amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.